This is Kevin Brooker, and we are cruising through retirement. You know, we're hearing a lot about the Secure Act 2.0 coming out of Washington. Uh, so what's in it could really affect, you know, how you plan for retirement. And there really is plenty in there that could make an impact. So tune in. We are going to cover it in detail right here. Cruising Through Retirement with Kevin Brooker. Kevin is an investment advisor representative with more than 30 years experience. He's helped thousands of people cruise through retirement, and he'd be happy to help you too. Stick around for today's adventure on Cruising Through Retirement. Welcome in. This is Cruising Through Retirement with Kevin Brooker. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. Kevin, of course, a fiduciary and investment advisor representative. You'll f- he's an independent. You'll find him at Silverleaf Financial and silverleaffinancial.com. You can learn more. 30-plus years helping folks get to and through retirement, and we are digging in today. Hey, Kevin, what's happening? It's, hey, you know what? It's another day, and another, you know, another bill comes out of Washington that could affect uh, <laughs> You know, oh, this has been a week. You know, we were just talking, uh, you know, I mean, not just a week in the market, but, you know, the, a week in Washington, all of the bickering and the back and forth and the, all of that. But I thought it would be interesting. And, and, and so did you, obviously, that, that, that we talk about Secure Act 2.0, what it is, what it isn't, and, and maybe kind of and, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, and, and I'm sure you will, but, but it seems to me there's a lot of good, at least in what we're going to talk about here today. Now, there's some some questionable things, but there's a lot of good that can come out of this, do you think? Yeah, I do. I do. I agree with you. And I think that there are, you know, provided, of course, uh, you know, that these things are in the final version, right? Well, that's um, the that's the big, that's the caveat. You know, that, that's the million dollar question, right? But we, we don't know what's what you never know what's going to happen in one of these bills until it's finally done and signed by the president, right? Right. But um, but it's important, I think, to pay attention to these, be aware of what's happening, because a lot of it could it could impact you as an investor, as a as somebody planning for retirement. It could make a difference, and so it is important that you're up that you're up to speed and you know what's happening in Washington. You know what the current rules are because they might not be the same rules next year. <laughs> well, if if this goes through the way it's looking here, there there will be definitely be some different rules, and and uh, there's also the the Ways and Means Committee. Their draft tax bill is is part of this as well, and yes. and again. Everything that we're going to talk about today, folks, it's none of it is is in stone, as they say. Um, but right. we we thought uh, these are some of the highlights, if you will, that will probably make it if and when it goes through. Yes, exactly. And and it's really it's not clear what exactly is going to be in the final bill, but you know most people agree it's going to be passed in some form, right? Yeah. So so I think it's reasonable to expect there will be some of these changes coming through. And and you know one of them that I personally would like to see, and and I'm sure some folks will will disagree. Um, that's pretty much with everything, um, is the automatic enrollment to a retirement plan. I don't um, see the downside. You, you know, I, I don't either because you can, it'll have an opt out provision, of course. right? You, you know, so they start taking your money and you say, no, I want to blow it all now. You, you still have that right. Um, and, and I'm being a little facetious. Um, but at the same time, you know, there's truth in there, right? Is, is the fact is, uh, unfortunately, a lot of us, when we're younger, every extra dollar that we make, we blow it one way or another, we spend it. And the folks that are truly, truly disciplined in their 20s, I'm always impressed with um, because most people aren't that disciplined when they're young and they just start making money. Uh, but the fact is, if you are one of these younger people and you've just got a job, you're in your early 20s, the best thing you can do for your future self is to max out your 401k. Sure. Put every penny in there that you can and do it forever. 
you'll be so happy you did by the time, you know, by the time you're in your fifties and you're close to retirement, uh, you'll be very, very grateful. I promise you. So let's uh, break this down for me, Kevin, what happens when we talk about automatic enrollment? So what happens and, and how does it work? Yeah. So what they're talking about right now is when you started a job, that has got a company 401k, there's going to be an automatic enrollment and they're going to start you off automatically uh, every employee at a 3% contribution rate uh, to that, to that uh, 401k, the employer plan. Uh, and they would increase that contribution rate by 1% per year until you get to 10%, where my understanding is they would keep it at 10% per year. And I personally think if everybody was saving 10% of their income, they, their, our, our, the retirement landscape overall would be a much, much prettier picture. And I, I think the problem is, you know, to me, the problem is that a, a lot of folks, they just, they spend more than they should is reality, sure. you know, and, and, and a lot of, a, a lot of folks will fall into a mistake. They get into a habit, you know, like going to Starbucks every day. It's always been one of my pet peeves. I see people, you know, they'll drop seven, eight bucks every time they have a cup of coffee. And, and to me, it's just wasteful. Um, but I understand people love their coffee. Um, but, but it's an easy way to save money. You know, there are easy ways to save money. A lot of people spend a lot of money eating out at quick serve restaurants or fast food, whatever you want to call them. Um, there are easy ways to save money. And I think if people would, if a lot of folks would do more of those things, they'd find they'd have a lot more money for retirement. So I think if we could do an automatic enrollment that just basically, this is the baseline, everybody's enrolled. And yes, if something happens, you can opt out. Um, but to start off with requiring it, I think is a good thing because there's, there's been all sorts of studies that have shown that automatic enrollment does increase the overall amount of money people save. Um, and, uh, you know, I believe that to be true. And I, and I know it's true because I've seen people do it. And the folks that I sit down with that have put away the most money are the ones that are disciplined. They stick with it. And no matter what happens, no matter if your kid, your son, your daughter, you know, begs and cries for whatever it is they want or they think they need, sometimes you have to tell them no and you don't want to. And I don't recommend taking money from your retirement account to, to, to help really anybody unless right. it's an absolute last choice. Well, you talk about 3%. And if you're just starting a job and if 3% comes out before you ever get your first paycheck, you're never going to miss it. You shouldn't, right? Yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't, you shouldn't because you never made it before. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. And, and, and that's why the key to me, you know, I always tell my wife, you know, I'm, I'm a person that, you know, I, I'm, I'm a person of habits, if that makes sense. Sure. In other words, whatever habit I get into, if it's a good one, like exercise and go to the gym and watching what I eat, I'm going to, I stick to it. I'll stick to it. But if I get into a bad one, you know, bad habit, maybe, you know, not going, not going to the gym and whatever, whatever it is that is really less desirable, I, I'll, I'll stick to that too until I can break that habit. And, and I think that a lot of people are like that. And I think if, if somebody young could just start off that way, like you're saying, you've never made this amount of money before. So if you just put it away, you shouldn't even miss it because you've never been making it before. No. And so you just dial, you dial in your budget, you dial in your life. In other words, you adjust and set your life according to the net amount of money you have after you've made those contributions. Don't look at the gross income that you have. Look at the amount of money you're taking home after you've invested in yourself, which is putting money away in your 401k and your retirement plan. And again, that's all, that's all pre-tax. And, and so, I mean, it, it becomes a deduction. There's, and, and, you know, in a, yeah. couple of, a couple of years, take a look at the balance and see where you are. It'll be, you know, that's right. That's very motivating to me. I mean, to, it, it, to see that oh, start yeah. to build, because it builds pretty quickly once it goes. It it does. And, and you know, each time you hit a milestone, you know, whatever it might be, I don't know, 20, it could be 20 grand or 50 or 100,000, sure. whatever the number is. But every time I hit a milestone, I just, I feel like a little part, it's like a little celebration inside. Doing a little you know, happy just, dance. 
Yeah, right. A little happy dance. It's like, man, that's, that's I didn't realize I had that much money. Um, you know, but it's but but once it starts to grow and you get into the habit of doing it, to me it's addictive. You want to keep on doing it. And mm-hmm. and and I and I want to figure out how can I get to that next milestone sooner? I want to get there sooner. So I, you know, I want to save more money and 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 I think if, if if folks could look at it that way and and stop can stop thinking about it at all for any purpose other than your retirement. Um, in other words, I've I've seen a lot of people have taken out loans from their retirement accounts, um, and I'm sure they have the best of intentions, you know, to pay it back. Uh, but in most cases, they don't, and and in many cases, it never gets paid back, and um, and and you wind up hurting yourself. And and so I think it's really important to to try to consider that money sacred. Whatever the highest value you can possibly attain, you know, ascribe to that value, that's what you should do and try to keep it sacred and try to avoid touching it. And when you do get to retirement, you'll, you'll be so grateful because you'll, have, you'll probably have enough money to do everything you want. Well, and, and that, let's take that to the next point of the Secure Act 2.0. And you've been saving for a long time. Now you're, you know, you're getting a bit older. You've got to take required minimum distributions. That is about to change. That changed with Secure Act, the first version. And now yes. this one, it could change it again. Let's uh, see what, they what, could, what, what are they proposing. You, you know what they're talking about? Well, the first thing they did, as you mentioned, you know, a lot of folks know um, that your required minimum distribution, we call that the RMD. For a long, long time, the age was 70 and a half. In other words, once you passed that age, you had to start taking out a minimum amount out of your retirement account. And the idea is that that's taxable when you do that. And it's for the it's the government needs their tax money, and that's one way they force you to pay it sooner. But what they just did is they changed that age to 72. So it's already been passed that now um, that you can wait until you're 72 to take out the required minimum distribution. So your first required distribution is 72 as of right now. Uh, but this proposal is going to, they're proposing raising it again. And they're talking about staggering it. So it wouldn't immediately go to 75. Um, as I understand it, they're going to stagger it. So maybe it starts off, um, you know, at, at 73 or 74, and then it hits 75 over several years. Uh, I don't know the exact date they're talking about uh, reaching that. I, I, or maybe it, you know what? It looks like in, over the course of between now and the next 10 years to get to the edge of 75, if I'm reading that correctly, sure. Steve. All right. Okay. Um, well, and, you know, and so, so 75. Is that a good thing or a bad thing in your opinion? Okay. In my opinion, it's a good thing. The, the criticism is that it only helps the rich people because they're the only ones that can wait until that age to take the money out. You know, but that's not always opinion, entirely true, isn't it? I mean, as long as we've been doing shows, Kevin, you know, you talk about, you know, high net worth clients and, and they're, they're out there. Oh, they're definitely. Oh yeah. There, there's, you know, you know, a lot of people are surprised at how many people, how many people have money. Um, you know, they're the, the net worth of this country is higher than it's ever been. And, uh, and a lot of folks, you know, uh, have saved money in, in their retirement accounts and their 401k. And, and virtually, I'll tell you, virtually everybody, every one of my clients, everybody that I've dealt with, you know, I'm going to say 90% plus, you know, they never want to take the money out of the retirement account until they have to. And that because they don't need it, they don't need it to pay their bills. They're just saving it for the future, whatever the future might hold. And, and they don't want to take it out. They do it begrudgingly. Um, and they take the minimum and, and they only do it because they're forced to. Um, you know, personally, I think it's a really good thing. I think if, if you could, you know, if, you, if we're talking about going from 70 and a half to, to you know, 75 over the next decade, um, that gives you another four and a half years, right? That you can save that money tax deferred and that it can grow. So, so the way I look at it, if you get another four or five years and you're just averaging seven or 8% a year, 
that's roughly 30%, right? Cumulatively over that time, you can mm-hmm. see another 30% growth in that account before you have to take a dime and pay any taxes on it. You know, so personally, I think it's a good thing. I think the longer you can leave, you know, the longer you can put off paying taxes to the government and the longer you can, you know, let your money grow to me is a good thing. Um, you, you know, and, and as far as the, the, you know, I, I think it, it applies to anybody that has that money in it. Right. And if somebody sure. happens to be wealthy and they take advantage of it, then, then that's their choice as well. You know, I, I would like to think that everybody has the opportunity to save money and potentially become wealthy over time. Um, it's, you know, everybody has that ability. Um, or they've got the opportunity, I should say. Sure. Well, with that in mind, could we then, that gives us more time essentially than to do Roth conversions, if that makes sense. Yes, it, do, it, it does. Now that gets, that that's going to, going to get a lot more complicated Is with it? regard to the, yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay. because, because the issue with, you know, the Roth conversions, um, you, you know, you, you've got traditional conversions, which, you know, are as money you put into an IRA, you have it in an IRA account. And it was a contribution that you were able to write off in your income taxes. So it's a deductible contribution uh, into your IRA. Um, and then you can convert it to, to, you know, to your Roth IRA and you pay taxes on that conversion. Um, there's also another component that, that maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but one thing they're looking at possibly getting rid of is for is some of the ba- what they call backdoor conversions, uh, which is, in other words, if somebody makes too much money, uh, there are income limits, okay, to back up. There are income limits that determine how much you can contribute to an IRA and still deduct the contribution. Okay. Uh, if if you're above that income limit, though, you can still contribute to the IRA, but it might not be deductible. Um, and, and so then later on down the road, you could still, as of right now, convert that to a Roth IRA, and that's what they call a backdoor conversion. Uh, and that's one thing that the government is looking at eliminating is that specific conversion of those non-deductible <laughs> IRA contributions. And I hear myself, I know this is getting way into the woods, way into the weeds. Uh, you, you know, so guys, if it's something you'd like to talk about, the best thing to do is talk to your advisor, give me a call. I'll be happy to go through it and answer any questions you might have. 800-975-6717 is the number you can call, folks. Uh, 800-975-6717. You can also reach Kevin at the website, silverleaffinancial.com. So getting back to that backdoor Roth, I mean, in your experience, how many times have you actually done that? Very few. Okay. Very few. All right. That's, I guess it's, that's what I was getting. It's not, yeah. a, it's not a thing for everybody. No, no, it's not. It's not common at all. It, it, I would put that in, you know, Rare, actually. Okay. All right. Well, then, okay. Um, so then so, the takeaway then is it's not going to affect that many people. I don't believe that it will. No, I don't believe that it will. It's really the politics and the media that blows it out of proportion, like a lot of things that, that they blow out of proportion. Well, of course. Um, you, you know, and, and gets people all worked up over nothing because most, most people won't be influenced by that. Okay, good to know. Um, so, all right, some other things that seem to make sense to me and maybe to you as well, Kevin, is uh, the, they're increasing the catch-up contributions for folks that are a little bit older. I like that idea. Yeah, you know what? I like it. You know what I don't like, though, Steve? What's is that? The age, really, 62 to 64. You're, you're well, that's your just, window? That's it? That's, that's the only the window? time? Oh, man, I didn't realize <laughs> I mean, that. I mean, come on. It Okay, I, yes, I like it. It's something, right? It's something. <laughs> yeah, of it, course. You know, they're saying you can put an extra 10 grand per year into your 401k or 403b and an extra five grand into a simple IRA. And and then I look at it and I say, wait a minute, is that only a simple IRA? What I can't do that with a traditional IRA? Why, why you, why they draw a line between one type of IRA and another? Yeah. And so that's something the government, you know, bureaucrats, why, why would they do that? And then I say to myself, there's, I'll bet there's a lobbyist or a special interest group behind that. Um, 
but I don't know why it doesn't make sense to me, but that's the way that's the, the article that I've seen, the information that I've received, that's what it's showing. Okay. Um, the right. point is they are, they are saying we can contribute extra money for those. What's that? Three, I guess when you're 62, 63 and 64. So I guess that's three calendar three years. years, I guess, you know, that you could put away an extra 10 grand. So they're saying you can put an extra 30,000 basically cumulative uh, into the 401k or 403b uh, should that pass. And I'm going to say that's a very good thing because I like anything, any, any, I should say almost anything that gives you a tax break and then lets you grow that money tax deferred. I'm generally in favor of, All right. Uh, you know, and, and this falls in that category, you know, because you get the tax deduction and it grows tax deferred. So I think, I think that's a good thing. Now, 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 as we're talking about this, so I feel compelled to tell everybody there are some folks out there that will make an argument, um, you know, that all this tax deferred money isn't a great thing. They'll say, well, how do you know you're better off putting all this money in a tax deferred vehicle? Because what happens if, inter- uh, I'm sorry, if income tax rates are higher when you're retired and when you're receiving that income? Because guys, remember, guys and girls, okay, all tax deferred accounts, all right, and this applies to a non-qualified annuity, and it applies to a traditional IRA, and it applies to your regular 401k, 403b, all of these accounts that have tax deferred growth, deferred meaning you don't pay tax when you put it in, as long as it's in there, you don't pay tax, but then when you start pulling it out, you start withdrawing it, it does become taxable. All of that money is taxed like income. It's taxed as income. In other words, it's not capital gains tax that you're going to pay. It's income tax. And, and, and some people will say, you know what? I'd be better off taking that money, paying the tax on it now, and buying, putting money in the stock market all right, or anything else that, had, that I'd be subject to a capital gains tax instead of an income tax. Okay. All right. Yeah. And, and so I'm putting all this out there, guys, just as food for thought, because the reality is it's really it's every individual has a little bit. There's a little uniqueness about your tax situation. You know, everybody doesn't have just one source of income, for instance. They don't just have you know, a lot of folks have their job and that's their one source of income. A lot of others have many sources of income and, and it can get very complicated. And, and, and uh, you know, like people that own rental property and things like that. Um, so depending on the exact situation that you're in, that'll determine your overall net effective tax rate, right? When it's all said and done. Um, and, and so, so you want to be aware of these things and take a look at where you're at. If somebody has got a very high income from a job or a salary, then you could be paying 40% income taxes, right? Or close to it. Yes, of course. Uh, you know, whereas capital gains tax might only be half that amount, you know, but, but the thing that I always want to remind everybody is. Um, what I used to say, I used to tell everybody, you know what, you're looking at a snapshot when life is really a moving picture. And I always thought that was a great line, <laughs> but, yeah, it is. but you know, so in other words, you, you want to remind, right. Remind yourself, these laws are fluid, right? We're talking about Congress changing them again. In other words, the tax rates change, right? The current administration is proposing tax rate, you know, changing tax rates for people over 400 grand. And, and, uh, and, and if they stick to that threshold of 400,000, I believe that's going to eliminate, this is another case in point where the media makes it sound like, oh, everybody's going to get hit with higher taxes. If they stick to the threshold of 400,000, I believe that's going to eliminate at least 90% of the taxpayers. In other words, I think less than 10% of the population is making over 400,000. I would, I would agree with you on that one. You know, so if that's the case, then 90% of the people shouldn't have to be concerned about raising, about higher tax rates. All right. Fair enough. I like that.
Volatility in the market is a fact. What isn't so clear is what the ups and downs of the market can do to your retirement portfolio. For answers, call Kevin Brooker at 800-975-6717. Kevin is founder and CEO of Silverleaf Financial, and he's been helping people cut through the noise and create a retirement and income plan that can take you all the way through retirement. Call now for your free financial consultation, 800-975-6717, or just text SILVER to 21000. Today's market volatility can really take a toll on your portfolio. But what if you could lock in your gains and still be in a position to participate in the gains without suffering losses if the market plunges again? That's what Kevin Brooker at Silverleaf Financial can help you achieve. Your no-cost analysis includes a portfolio x-ray showing any hidden fees in your current plan. He'll show you how by claiming Social Security at the right time can make a huge difference in your retirement income. Call Kevin Brooker today, 800-975-6717, or text SILVER to 21000. That's SILVER to 21000. Do it today. other things before we move on to something else the student loan uh, provision here is sort of interesting to me what do you think you know what I I, I think it's an ex, I think it's an extra provision I to me that's kind of fluff I don't know I don't well I don't think you it's gotta you gotta think... you know you gotta hey look what this hand's doing so this hand over here can do more right? that, that's and I'm sure this is an example that got in there because somebody you know somebody's buddies with somebody that likes this idea um, personally I think it's unnecessary you know but Right. Uh, but there is a there is a provision that could allow, as, as I understand it, they're saying it could allow the employer, you know, to match whatever the whatever the employee is paying and the student loan to pay off the student loan. I believe they're saying the employer could could match that what they're calling contribution, um, you know, to pay off the student loans. You know, I oh, yeah. I, I don't know. I'd rather see something more broad based. I, sure. I, I think that I think that applies to a small segment of the population, and and I, I'm personally more in favor of things that will. That will help, you know, let's say 80 or 90 percent of the population. Yes, and, of course. You, you know, so I, I, I think that one, you know, that one's not that important to me personally. All right. And then the lost and found. I, um, we've talked about that before in terms of, yes. you know, leaving behind a 401k and, and having to rein it in. And you do that a lot just in general. Yeah. You, you know, and you know what? And I've, and I've got I've got a handful of people right now that I'm talking to about that, that, you know, they've got. Uh, one guy has got three, th he's got three 401ks each from an, a job that he no longer works at. Um, you know, and, and so it's pretty common, you know, if, cause a, a lot of folks have went from job to job, maybe a better opportunity came on or maybe moved to a different, to a different city or a different state or something. And, and you might have an old 401k and sometimes people actually forget about them and, and they, they, it's like, it becomes misplaced, especially if the company, you know, was acquired or went out of business or any number of other things that might happen. And, and this is actually one that what they're calling retirement plan lost and found. That's one that when I look at it, I say, I can't believe that they're not already doing that. Why wouldn't we already be doing that? And, and so to me, this one is much more important <laughs> than, uh, because this is money people already have saved and, and, it's, and it's like lost money. And so what they're talking about um, is a central database that will be maintained by the federal government um, in terms of, you know, um, 
I, well, you know what? Let me the, the information that may, that I read. Let me clarify: says it'd be a database maintained, but there's other logic that says the actual plan itself would be maintained by the federal government, which are two different things. Very different so, things. Yeah. Yeah. So if we're talking about an administrative function where they say, "Hey, John, you actually left this plan 15 years ago, and it's at ABC location," I think that administra- the administrative aspect of it. Okay. In other words, making sure that everybody can find their plan if something happened and it's been a long time. That function I'm, a, I'm a in favor of. If it's a situation where we're saying the federal government is going to like manage the plan, that I'm not in favor of. Well, you know, boy, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> is that even a good idea? <laughs> well, that you know, you know, it. it <laughs> I I don't know. I think the way that I look at it, the government's already managing a very big plan called Social Security. Right, and they're not doing. So, about, I mean, they're doing all right with that. You know what? It's so far so good. People are getting paid, and I've I have yet to meet a person that says I hate getting that Social Security check every month. <laughs> of course. You know what? I'd like them to stop. Um, I haven't heard that. And 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 for the record, y'all can thank the Demo- thank some Democrats for that, guys. You know that was FDR that put yeah, Social right, Security in exactly. place. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and and for the record, that Medicare Medicare program, I've never met anybody that hated their Medicare either. Um, also, a program started in and put in place by Democrats for the record. All right. That was Lyndon Johnson, I believe in the sixties. Sure. And then Obamacare, of course, we all know that one was put in place by Democrats. Right. So my, my question is why aren't the Republicans ever doing anything like this for the, for the population? What, what is up with that? Um, anyway, sorry. Um, it's okay. I get it. I, I just need to point it out because by the way, guys, if you're not aware of it, one of the proposals from the Democrats is to expand Medicare so that it includes dental, vision, and hearing. And and I you, give me 100 people that are on Medicare and ask them how many of them would like that and how many of them are opposed. I'll bet you every single hand would be in favor of it. I would think so. All right. And so why is it that the – I'm sorry. Why, the, the fact is, why are the Republicans favoring the pharmaceutical companies, guys? Ask them why they support the pharmaceutical companies instead of supporting expanding Medicare. So anyway – because uh, that was, and, and by the way, uh, on, on that side note, you guys, anybody from the Midwest, from Iowa, Chuck Grassley is 88 years old and has decided he's running for re-election. And, and oh, uh, we need term limits. I'm sorry. We just need term limits. <laughs> I mean, you know what? I have a client. I have some clients that are retired airline pilots, right? Because they're responsible for what? 300 lives in the plane. And they have mandatory retirement at 65. Yeah. Right. Yep. All right. Aren't these congressmen and women aren't don't in, in in some essence, aren't they responsible for the lives of many millions of people? I mean, I, I just think it's crazy that uh, I, I just think that, I, I just think there should be age limits. I, I think if you can't fly a 747 at 66, then then maybe you shouldn't be able to get elected from office when you're 76. I don't know. Yeah, um, maybe. I, I, I just think that it's but I don't think it, it to me, in my opinion, won't ever happen because, you know, the, the Congress people, men and women themselves, they're not going to vote for that, right? Right. Of course. Um, no, of course. Just like they won't support term limits, yep. which I think would be which I think would be a fantastic thing. Yeah. Um, but but Grassley, rumor has it, Grassley is is on the payroll of the pharmaceutical companies. So, you know, they get contributions from these groups, guys. And I think everybody should look at where's the money going. When a con- when when some politician says what they're in favor of, you should look at where they're getting paid. The special interest groups and the lobbyists contribute to their campaigns, and then guess what? They're against it. So Anyway, 
That's my political my political minute. Oh, all right. So let's uh, well let's be in our time that we have remaining. Let's talk about the market this week and and what do yeah. you think is going on? It's been uh, you know a roller coaster would be an understatement. You, you know the week started out okay and then. And yeah. then and then Thursday and then Friday. I mean, it's like what it's, the heck? Yeah, you, you know what it is. It has been crazy. And if you guys remember, if you've been if you've been listening to the show for the while, I I have been talking about this for a while. I've been sit. We've, I've been saying that we I expected some volatility. Um, you know, you never know exactly how it's going to show up. You don't know how it's going to manifest itself, so to speak. Right. Um, you know, but the fact is, we haven't had a meaningful correction in a long time. And by meaningful, I mean let's say ten percent. Um, I don't even know if we've had a 5%. Some depends on where you look, specific areas of the market, different sectors, different individual stocks. A lot of them have had, you know, corrections, but the overall indexes, which are really driven by, you know, Apple and, and the big tech stocks, um, they haven't had that big correction. And so one thing that I think everybody should ask themselves is, you know, what, what's happened so far is every time there's been a little bit of a drop like this and, and today's drop really happened in the last last half an hour or so, it really, it really dropped tank yeah. in the last half hour. Right. I mean, about two thirds of the drop was the last half hour. Um, you know, and so you, so you wonder sometimes when I see this happening, it's because there's going to be news coming out tomorrow morning that some people got wind of ahead of time. Um, and that's happened plenty of times, uh, you, you know, and, but I, but it's always, you know, the me, the media, the news reporters always like to say, Oh, well, it's because of A, B, and C. Uh, what Steve and I were talking about before the show, the, the fact of the matter is, you got to remember there are millions and millions of investors buying and selling the stock market all around the world every day. You've got the algorithms that are trading, the high frequency traders that are computer programs, you know, that are pre that are set up with this code, you know, established ahead of time that based on certain triggers, you know, a number like the S&P hits a certain number and boom, it executes all these sell orders. Right. Or or buy orders, whatever it may be. Um, but it's it, a lot of it is artificial intelligence driving these decisions. Um, you know, and, and so that's what I, what I'm here, what I'm trying to say is that nobody really knows, right. nobody really knows what caused the market to sell off. Um, a lot of times it feeds on itself, you know, because if something happens to drive it down to a certain level, if that happens to be a critical level that a lot of these algorithm and computer models are using as a key level, just the fact that it hit that point is going to trigger activity. And so, so that's why most advisors, including myself, uh, you know, recommend don't don't pay too close of attention to the day to day, week to week movement of the market if you're a long term investor, because it's just going to probably drive you crazy. All right. <laughs> yes. And and just remember the the key lessons that we've seen in the stock market. We've had horrible corrections. You know, two thousand one and two. We over those three years, the market basically was cut in half. We saw it again seven or eight years later uh, with the housing recession, a, a massive cut. But what we've also seen is that over time, the market so far has always come back and gone on to new highs. And I can tell you guys, I remember when I first started in the business, um, actually a couple of years, actually I, I misspoke. I apologize. When I was in college, when I was graduating college, which was back in 87, uh, because I had a job and I was watching the market on black, was that black Monday um, in October of 87? Yeah. Right. If I remember correctly, the Dow was around 2000. I want to say the Dow was like 2,000, 2,100 mm -hmm. plus or minus right around there. Well, it's 33,000 now. Right. Yeah. And it's been okay. up in the 35s of earlier this year. It, it has. It has. But if you just want to, you know, if we focus on that long term, right, 10, 20, 30 years, then you can see the market generally goes higher over time. Some people like to say that 90% of the time the stock market goes higher. 
it, the other 10%, yeah, it's bad. All right. But the fact is most people can't time it because you can't, it's not just about timing when you buy, you got to time when you sell. And if you do sell, now you got to time it again, when you're going to buy again, you know, and and, and so it's, uh, and that's uh, why we hire you, Kevin, <laughs> <laughs> that's, you know what? And that's, and that's what we're here for. And, and so depending on the type of money, the type of account, you know, my longer term accounts, um, I, I, we manage the allocation. We man, we rebalance the account to make sure, you know, to try to get back to where we want to be in terms of how much exposure to one area versus another of the market. Um, you know, we talked about the pure growth account, which is a stock trading account. I started, uh, last year. And, you know, we, we've, we've lost, even though I've mentioned in the last few shows, I've had a bigger cash position. Yeah. And if you guys remember last week, I was at half cash. 50% yeah. That's what cash. you said. Yep. All right. And, um, and so, but those, the, the piece that I do have in there, you know, those have dropped a little bit. So we've lost about 3% in the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, and, but we have, we're sitting on a net gain right now of 33% for this calendar year. And that's and nothing that's to sneeze at. Oh God, no, I'm, I'm thrilled with it. I, I really am. And, 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 you know, and that's part of the reason I've, I raised my cash allocation because I said, you know what, that's a heck of a gain. I don't, when the market is looking like it is now, which is uh, right now, the market is not the, the trading, the trading models, the models that tell us when to buy and when to sell, they're not working as well for these last few months. Like the first few months of the year, they're working fantastic. We're making tons of money. The last, over the summer, last few months, they haven't been working very well. And, and so that's when I said, you know what, this isn't working as well. I'm building up my cash position. Uh, and again, this is a trading strategy and so it's short term in nature. Um, you know, but, but this is a strategy that's used that I feel is showing us that it, it's a good way to pick a stock because, uh, we have been able to achieve gains that are more than double the market. I think the market's up 14 or 15% now for the year mm -hmm. and, and we're up 33. Well, I mean, again, well, just traditionally, isn't September a, a rocky month for the market? As far I believe it's the worst. Yeah. Okay. And October's not much October's not much. Better, that's right. Anyway. I mean again, September, October. That's just so I mean yeah. we're in the rocky time it's, of the year. We are any any yeah, we are we are in the rocky time of year. And anybody that looks at that, you know, stock traders almanac where all this stuff a lot of this stuff comes from, um is, seasonally and historically speaking, this is a, a, a lousy time of year. And and it, but it leads us into what is the best time of year? And now maybe that's because you just got beat up in September or October, you're at a lower base, right? Yeah. Because the period from uh, it's like middle of October to middle of April, roughly, that's that's about the that's tr historically that's your best time of year. You know, is the end of this year into the first quarter of the next. All right. So, well, before we wrap it up, I want to ask you. You know, we're hearing about all of these um, uh, the shipping delays, the container ships in Los Angeles and and even in Miami. What what's your take on that? Is that how how much of an impact is that having on all of us? Do you think? Oh, I think it's having a big impact on all of us. I think it's impacting the prices that we're paying for everything um, because all these. You know, one thing about the container ships, and a lot of people have heard about it, and I've done a good amount of reading on it too. Uh, one thing that's changed, and I read this from a shipping company, is that the size of the ships, the size of the containers and the ships is like 30 or 40% bigger now than they were just a decade ago. Wow. And and whereas the facilities that unload them, the ports and things like that, it uh, doesn't sound like they're, the infrastructure at the port has really kept up with the increase in the size of the vessels and the containers. And so that's part of the problem. Um, but a lot of it, you know, it's happening around the world. It's starting off the ports in China when it used to be just one or two or three days for them to get out of there. Now it's, you know, add a week to that. Yeah. Uh, and then their time on the water is taking longer. And then when they get here, 
I mean, the, the off of Long Beach in California, I want to say there was over 50 cargo ships. Um, I think they call it dwelling when they're just kind of sitting out in the water waiting, waiting for a port to open up. Um, you know, but, but it's in fact, but it impacts the price that we pay. So think about a, think about a pair of shoes, right? They're made in, I don't know, in Vietnam or something. Sure. And you, you've got fewer workers there because COVID is, you know, taking a lot of people out. So the factory production time is slower. You got fewer, you got a shortage of truck drivers pretty much everywhere. So it takes longer to truck it to the ship. And if, you know, and then the ship itself, you were losing time there. So all across the board, and then when it gets here, when it does finally get into port, and then we go to put it on a truck, what's, what's the problem there? We don't have enough truck drivers either, right? Right. So each step, each step along the way is adding 10, 20, 30 cents to, your, to the cost of those shoes. And by the time they get to the store on the shelf in the store, it's probably added, I don't know, three, four or five dollars to the pair of shoes. And, and so the result is the inflation that we're seeing. And so that's my long answer to that question, okay, Steve. Well, no, that- well, no I, that was not a long answer at all. I appreciate that because uh, that's, that's the kind of insight I was looking for. And I think folks that listen, that, that, that's what they want as well. Yeah. And, and you know what? It is the inflation. We are. And this is the part that the Fed says is transitory, which, you know, OK, is transitory one month or two months or three months or what is transitory? And I think if you're talking a year, I don't know if that is that still transitory. <laughs> I don't know. Um, you, you know, so so that's what we're talking about. And and but my opinion is that we will get through these delays. I believe all of it goes back to COVID when the entire world shut down last year. Yep. Um, I mean, you can't shut down these massive, massive manufacturing plants, you know, for a few months and then just expect to start them back up and everything's just going to go smooth as silk, you know? Right, um, of course. It, it just doesn't work that way. Uh, the other thing is that COVID is still going around a lot, big a big part of the world. You know, the U- the, U- uh, the U.S., is really much more vaccinated than most of the rest of the world, right? And a lot of the products that we get are coming from countries that don't have as high of vaccination rates as we do. And, and so they're still having issues with workforce and trying to get the labor that they need. So I, so my opinion is this might last another six or eight months, but I think as we get into 2022, maybe the second quarter, you know, like April 22, my opinion, it feels to me like we should be through, through these issues by that point in time. Um, and then I think inflation... Is prices are not, I can't see prices going down, but I do think they're going to, they will stop increasing like they are now, All right. if that makes sense. Well, I like the sound of that, Kevin. And and again, that's a, that's a good place to kind of call it quits today. We, uh, so, I mean, what's your, what, what do you want to leave us with? What, what's your thought? You, you know what the fun guys, the final thought is that yeah, we all, we're always going to have volatility in the market. We're always going to have the down days and, and we're always subject to a correction. Just look at the long-term focus on the long-term. Don't let the day-to-day movements influence you or bother you. And if you do see a big drop, like we're actually down 20% or something, that's when you should really try to increase, increase, put more away, save more. And and I think that's what you want to do. Look at it like a discount, like you're trying to buy something at the store. You want to buy more of it when it's on sale. This for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute investment tax or legal advice. The covered material has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. There are risks associated with every type of investment vehicle. Please read the prospectus and risk disclosures thoroughly before investing. Insurance guarantees are subject to the insurance company's ability to pay. Neither Silverleaf Financial, Kevin Brooker, host, and guests are responsible for the usage of information discussed. Security and investment security and investment services offered through Silverleaf Financial, member Spinra SIPC. Please consult with an experienced advisor before making any investment decisions.